When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Do not wait until New Year's to pretend that you're going to revamp your health and your wellness. Pretend that you're going to reverse all the caloric intake from the holidays Instead, be proactive. Start now, early November, jumpstart your system so that you are energized and engaged through the holidays. Drinkag1.com surf is your comprehensive whole body and mind nutrition in one scoop of powder. You're probably going to eat a ton of beige colored food in November, but AG1 fills the nutrient gaps, ensuring that you also get 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced nutrients. And it's super simple. Forget about the expensive pills and supplements. This is one scoop of powder shaken into eight ounces of water. It is delivered to your door monthly. It is the simplest way for you to get the basis of your important vitamins, minerals, and probiotics. It boosts your energy. It helps with recovery. And very importantly for this season, it supports immunity and promotes gut health. Research everything at drinkag1.com surf. Using that slash surf supports us, but it also gets you a free one-year supply of vitamin D along with five free travel packs. And check this out. It also comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee. So there is no risk at all. It's all benefit. Now is the time. Finally achieve whole body vitality at drinkag1.com slash surf. Welcome back to more with Bill Stewart. This is part two of a two-part conversation. It would be kind of weird if you actually landed on this episode first, but I don't know how the world works. Maybe you did. If you did, hit pause and go back. Listen to part one first. We will be waiting here for you when you get back. But in part one, Bill gives his origin story, how he went from a Kentucky carny to California surfboard magnate, 
And today we're gonna dive much deeper into his friendships, his mentorships, who bolstered his success, who buoyed him through the losses, and what's to come as the next generation of stewards steward the legacy of the brand. So get right into it. Without further ado, my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of my conversation with Bill Stewart. about board building what's your preferred construction type do you traditionally poly. use pu okay Got it. poly's fun poly cuts clean sands nice it the sad thing is it's not light enough and it's not strong enough so if you're a you know there's a certain size board i think that you especially as the boards get bigger that's where polys really fail because they they weigh too much can't even pick the damn thing up where you get a, a one pound EPS foam, but it becomes a ping pong ball on water. The core right. weighs nothing. It's a weightless core. They can't pour them like that and still maintain strength. It's a war between durability. And I've, I've been accused of by, by customers that I build self self obsolescence in my boards. And I'm going, really? You, you think I sit around going, Hmm. If this guy's board breaks in half, I can get a make another one. No, come on, yeah, a, you don't think like that. What they want is the lightest board they can get that works the best. But what they don't want is for anything to go wrong. Yeah, one guy broke his board in half, and he comes running in the shop. He's got the two halves, and I know where he's going with this. Right, this is when you've been in retail too long. <laughs> this is a <laughs> this is a sign that you've been there too long. He runs in. He goes, "Hey, man, this board broke in half." I go. No problem. You got the 50-50 guarantee. And he goes, what is that? And I go, you get to keep both halves. <laughs> and he tried not to laugh, yeah. but it made him laugh. Yeah, yeah. And I said, dude, I broke eight or ten boards. Jeff Kramer, the area yeah. doing the air, he broke 82 boards at my expense. 82. 82. He's got, I don't think he has the world record. I think he did for a while, but especially when we were making weightless longboards, because we were using Clark Foam 95S blanks, my favorite plug, as you know. Jeff Kramer's boards came out of that, and we'd use ultralight blanks, and we would use all four ounce, no gloss, no polish. Wow. They break. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, for the pros, it makes sense. You want to build them, yeah. you know. I ask people, if you were going to run a marathon, would you use army boots or the lightest weight running shoes possible? Yeah. Now the question is, how many... Marathons, would you run with those shoes? One, because exactly, yeah. you want as much spring as you can get out of your shoe. Yeah. That's how that works. Um, can I ask you about Gordon Clark on air? We, I know we had the conversation Absolutely. off air, but I yeah. just, um, 
he's such a mythical figure in the surf world, you know? And I feel like some of those stories actually now for modern surfers who just discovered it since COVID, let's say, they probably have no idea who he even was, but you're somebody who worked directly with him for a A very long period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Are you a fan? He gets a, I think he gets a um, maligned a lot for being just kind of like a really hard ass businessman. And so people, uh, but then I hear people speak very glowingly about him as well and respectfully. What are your thoughts on Gordon? Well, first of all, his name's Grubby. <laughs> For a reason. He invented butt lagging with his pants down like that, with his crack hanging out. <laughs> I did not know oh, that. Oh, yeah, he invented that. I think the first time I ever saw, other than a plumber built bending over, he wore his pants like that. Did he really? Oh, yeah. He, he's a mess. He's a complete mess. He's a genius. And he he's so... Einstein couldn't remember to tie his shoes. Mm. Okay, so there's a side of Gordon that I ultimate respect, and there's a side of him that's not a good person. He does. He was kind of mean a little bit to other people, and in business, he he was hardcore. You know, he if you bought other blanks, he would stop shipping you blanks and stuff like that. That's hardcore. Instead of just may the best man win. No, I'm going to crush you. So when he but bought, he fully it, believed he was the best man though too, right? Well, he was. So he knew, like, hey, stick with me, you'll get the best blank. He but did, he, he had the best. Shape. I also want to get rich doing it. I I, I yeah, I don't know if it's money driven or what. I think it's more. He, he hated famous people for some reason. He hated. That's famous. an interesting detail. Yeah, he really did. He had a real thing about that. Because he keeps a low profile. So of the. 11 or 12 plugs that I designed for Clark Foam was shipped around the world with my name on it. I got paid 10 free blanks. I mean, can you get a lower pay than that? I mean, and by the way, I'm going to brag right now because I went and saw Gordon on his 52,000 acre ranch up in Oregon. And I pulled up, he sat in my motorhome. He looked me right in the eye. He goes, I got to tell you something. He goes, you're the only guy that literally made a perfect plug mathematically we scanned it and he says it literally was perfect a hundred percent he goes you're the only guy of rusty and and every other shaper that shaped all those blanks and plugs mine was perfect the way i did it was i made an electronic level that had pods on it and i gridded and put dots all over the plug that i shaped so i would set those it's kind of like a shaping machine because the shaping machine has over here, this left number is 235702. This one's 235702. They match. It's a butterfly image, right? So I did that with a level with electronics so mm. that I could move this and set it. I put it on level racks, level the deck, level the bottom, and, and block. then I would glass it. Then I'd go back over the whole thing with a lot of resin on it, blocks. Oh, this is 0.012 too high zip 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 but i was really proud i didn't know this this is only uh, what a couple of years two ago. years ago he told me this and said yeah you made the a perfect plug meaning it was perfectly symmetrical yeah it doesn't mean it's a good one <laughs> but it's mathematically symmetrical on the left and the that's right that's right yeah fascinating kind of proud of that yeah it's important so it, it, i thought it out and then i figured out a right way to do it and most people i'm glad you're doing this by the way because my history and my background of everything that I've been involved in, most people think, oh, he's a shaper, surfer, artist guy. They don't know about the future fin box. They don't know the two plus one fin setup or all these different things. I mean, 
wakeboards, snow, snowboards, and all this crap I've been messing with my whole life. I love inventions, creations, and designs. Just love that. Nobody knew you were a carny until now. I know, and I'm kind of proud of that. I didn't even tell you the part where the big giant bodybuilder chased me. No. Yeah. My friend put a 38 to his head. Really? What yeah. was he chasing you about? He kind of wanted me. Oh. I, I was going to the bathroom. Really? Yeah. Carney life is dangerous, man. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? I thought it just This guy bad. was 220 pounds. I was 135 pounds or 40. Yikes. And this guy came, I'm 5'8", right? I was skinny. Luckily, I could run really fast. Yeah. And he chased me, and I ran into the truck, and my I go, Tom, there's a guy! I'm screaming, and he reaches under the bed. I didn't even know he had a 38. And the guy opened the door, and he put it right to his head. And the guy literally did the pee-pee dance. His legs were going, but he couldn't. He, he, he was frozen. He couldn't run. Wow. <laughs> it was heavy. That's crazy. That's a good Carney story. I got yeah. a few others. The eight-legged goat, the two-headed cow. Wow. Um, <laughs> we'll do a whole Carney podcast in the future. Um, so back to Gordon Clark. Another thing that people probably don't know about him is what he and as influential as he, as he was in the surf world and what he did there yeah. apparently he's done the same thing raising sheep yes in Oregon yeah. and came up there that's what he did in quote retirement but is either revolutionized the way that it was being done prior or just did it better than anybody who's he ever told done it prior. me he told me straight up he says I'm more proud of what I've done up here than anything I did with blanks yeah that's what I've heard and I was like wow that's impressive because he literally owned I still think his blanks are better than ever, any ever made. But he had temperature controls. Um, I, I don't think he unveiled everything what he was doing, and maybe the chemicals aren't as good. I don't know. They're just They don't cut as good as his did. And maybe his came fresher to me. Maybe. Like a fresh donut or something. <laughs> From VGs. Yeah. Um, well, I heard just this past couple of weeks that Lopez is actually writing an article on Gordon that will be in the surfer's journal in the next few months. That's like 12 pages long. So pretty comprehensive or can't be comprehensive, but in depth and they're, they're tight friends and they still are to this day. Yeah. So I think that would be an interesting read. Well, there's perspectives of people who know people, right? Yeah. It, that helps. There's a big difference between somebody who has abused the hell out of you <laughs> and you know them or somebody who's gifted you. Okay. Uh, there's people Without the mentors that I had in my life, I would never be sitting in th this beautiful place where I live because those are the people that pull you out of the dirt, okay? They're, they're the people that, for no personal gain, want to see you do well, and that's a mentor. They just, it's kind of pay it forward, and I've helped a lot of people. I walked in my shop, and he was in Iraq, and a guy threw dynamite and blew all his fingers off, okay? And it, his hand was just a nub. And he was buying surf stuff. And I, I said, hey, man, I, you surf? And he goes, yeah. And I said, how's paddling? He goes, not that bad. I said, do you wear a glove or anything? He goes, no. I go, why not? And then he says, well, I never thought of it. And I said, when you paddle out, do you end up back at the beach? <laughs> I had to make that joke. Yeah. I, I couldn't resist. And he busted up. Now, he looked exactly like Lieutenant Dan. From Forrest Gump, he looks exactly the same. I'm not kidding. In fact, he's he was at my shop yesterday. He's from Texas, and uh, I said, "Come back in three days. I'm going to make something for you." Went down, 
I have a workshop. My art studio is under this building. And I took a template and car made a hand and put Velcro around this part of his hand and then put a web glove over that with a strapped here. And I, he comes in. I said, come back in three days. He walks in. And I go, hey, good to see you. And I put the glove on and I handed my the fake hand. And he goes, no way. And he freaked out. So he went down the beach, calls me back and goes, you're a genius. Oh, my God. It's a, it's day and night difference. And he's using it on triathlons. He's doing. Wow. And he goes, it's better than anything. And then he got a, a prosthetic, I don't know, $5,000 fake hand. Looked like an ice cream scooper. It was horrible. He goes, this thing's junk. He goes, you should mass produce these. I go, how many people have the injury you have? Right. <laughs> Hard yeah. to make money doing it. But, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of a feel-good, pay-it-forward thing. Um, you brought up mentors. Uh, who is Jimmy Buffett to you? Oh, uh, that's – I just did a, a recording of all my stories about Jimmy Buffett, and there's – I think 13 stories we did about him. The, my favorite one is when he called me up and he goes, hey, the phone rings and I'm at my shop and I hear over the loudspeaker, it says, Bill Stewart, Jimmy Buffett, line two, Jimmy Buffett, line two. And I go, yeah, right, Nixon's on line three, right? Come on, pick up the phone. I go, hello. I go, this, and he goes, hey, this is Jimmy Buffett. And I go, hey, this is Bill Stewart. I go, really, you're Jimmy Buffett? He goes, absolutely. And I go, cool. I said, what's up? And he goes, I want to get a uh, surfboard that goes into two parts, a uh, suitcase board, they called them in the 60s. Do you know about that? <laughs> no. They, yeah, they made a surfboard that because they wouldn't put them on airplanes, so you couldn't fly to Hawaii with a full-size surfboard. So the, uh, I, I think it was Maury or somebody like Maury Pope. I think he's the one that started that. Hobie made one that went into two parts. Kay. They rode terrible. They had yeah, pipes sure. inside of them. The flex, there was just, uh, they were awful. He goes, I want to get one of those for my airplane. And I said, I go, you know those ride like crap. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, dude, they've got pipes and stuff in them. They're crap. They're, it's not a good surfboard. And he goes, well, geez, man. He goes, uh, my roadies will do anything I want. And I go, you know I'm not one of your roadies, right? And he busts up laughing. He thought that was funny as hell because I gave him a little crap, right? He goes, what do you think I should do? I said, why don't you buy a bigger plane? <laughs> And that's when he went and got the albatross. <laughs> really? So he took the advice? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's in his book. He put my name in one of his songs at the end of the song, Mexico. I got my Billy Stewart longboard. And my <laughs> mailman comes up. He goes, your name's in a Buffett CD. I go, no, it's not. You know, no, it's, you can barely hear it at the end. He mumbles it. Well, it's um, it's a cover of the James Taylor song, right? It's called Mexico. It's the but it's the James Mexico. Taylor song, I think. It's and then at the end, he vamps a little bit, and I think that might yeah, be. Yeah, he mumbles a bunch of stuff, but he, yeah. I got my Billy Stewart lump. He, he, I stayed in his house. I said, oh, I want to go to the Keys. He goes, you can use my house if you want. And I said, really? So I ended up going down staying in his house. Of course, the clock was frozen at 5 o'clock. Of course. <laughs> and he's just a, so I flew in his airplane over Irvine Meadows. He brought the plane here, and... I got in the airplane, me and my wife, and he had one of those double doors that opens up. So I'm hanging out of the door, and it's kind of like surfing because when the plane banks, the centrifugal force keeps you from, like, falling out, right? And so I'm waving out the door. I don't even like airplanes, but this was kind of cool, you know? So, he, And there's 20,000 people 
at Irvine Meadows, and we're circling around like this, and people are screaming, wait, they think I'm Jimmy Buffett. He was coming to play that show? He was pl- he's in backstage. Oh, okay. And okay. I'm overhead flying around, and, and the people, the crowd went nuts, That's right? That's amazing. It's really cool. But he, he, I've surfed with him in Montauk, New York, and went to his house in New York, had dinner with him, and he's, we have a, similar friends that know him for a long time, and and uh, Corb Donahue, who worked for me, uh, he died of cancer. And to let you know the value and the beauty of Jimmy Buffett, he, when Corb died, they were scheduling a Volkswagen van trip. Well, Corb got too sick, and Jimmy came in. I got him a van, and he rented it from my neighbor, an old Volkswagen. He wanted to cruise the Kurotz Coast in a Volkswagen because it's a flashback of his childhood, right? Mm. And him and Corb were going to do this. Well, Corb died. Well, Corb initiated all of his tour from the very first tour he ever did. Corb was in the music business. And Corb ended up broke and kind of drank too much. And sweet guy, really good guy. He died. Jimmy gets in his airplane in Texas, flies all the way to Orange County, rents a car, shows up at San Onofre in the rain and the wind. They set up the little speakers and he sang a song took the ashes, waded out in the freezing cold water, windy and rainy, poured Corb's ashes into the ocean. Then he went back to, uh, it makes me emotional. Ah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's the kind of guy he was. Went back to the rib trader and sang more songs, told stories about Corb. Here's a guy that has become a billionaire and he gives a crap about some guy that kicked off his world. Corb was the first essentially tour manager for him, right? When nobody he else would give him a thing. shot. Nobody, well, he, he was wasn't unknown. famous at the time. Yeah, Nobody knew him. Right. You know, Jimmy told me, he says, yeah, he goes, first time I was ever paid five grand for a show, I goes, I went and smuggled some weed with that money. He goes, I knew this was a fluke and never was going to happen again. So I was going to be really smart and turn that money into money. <laughs> Fascinating. He's a, one of the most, I think one of the smartest people I've ever met. He would have to have been. To He's build genius. that empire. Yeah. His whole, the the balls that he was juggling, I could never have done what he did. That's impossible. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the balls that he was juggling, and it seemingly never um, affected him. Acted like he didn't work, actually. No. He's giggling the whole time. Yeah. Maybe it just, I mean, when I see people like that, I think that um, they're incredibly good at delegating like surrounding themselves with people who are smarter with than them in a certain thing and letting them run with it, you know? I think when he gets burned by people, he doesn't carry it on a, on a backpack like I do. Mm. And that's it's hard to learn how to push those buttons and let the backpack fall off your back. Because when people ruin your life and set you back for years like that, what was done to me was is so deep down. It's under the heading of, I love you, man. And then when they get in, they 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 take advantage. They set you up for the kill, and and they know when to do this. I feel like at a certain level, it's inevitable that somebody will do attempt to take advantage of you in that way. There's no entrepreneurial person that I've ever met that doesn't have a story about that. Right. None. So it's a matter of how you navigate it. It's who you hire. Who are they, and what are they, and what what's their history? What's their background? Yeah. How many times they go to jail? Okay. Right. The guy that burned me rolled on, he was a drug dealer who 
who was dealing coke and rolled on his friends and they got 10 years and he got one year. Wow. That's pretty gnarly. And then he was working in your shop, oh, presumably. Yeah. And you didn't know any of that. No. Until money is missing. And there's a math problem. One yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah. And then you realize you're broke. And then you realize this guy's bought a house. <laughs> it all makes sense. And so was going, he working as an accountant? Yeah. Uh, he, he manipulated my accountant. Got it. He was a front man. He's a, he's a shuck and jiver. And he's charismatic, he's smart, and he's done it to everybody he's ever been in business with. And now, yeah. It's a pattern. So be warned. That's why early when the conversation we had was, when you go to be an entrepreneurial person, look at what they've done. Never listen to what they say. Don't even listen to a single word they have to say. Look at their, show me your background. What have you, you know? Yeah. So you're a good surfer, right? Lifelong intermediate is what I like to How say. How many contests have you won? None. <laughs> that solidifies that you're honest. Okay? That's true. That did. That yeah. solidified. Now, if you would have said, yeah, I'm really good. I go, okay, bring me your portfolio of yeah. how many contests you won. Then I'm going to call up. I'm going to research and see if your name's in that, in that contest. Were you there? Right. Yeah. So you can claim whatever you want to claim, especially oh, on the internet. The, the electronic liar. Yeah. I'm glad I answered honestly. That. <laughs> that's a good, that's a new one. Electronic liar because people, the false claims that are go, going around now as people, as the baby boomers age, they're 10 times better than they ever were. Right. That's what I've noticed. And now, you know, I'm in the hall of fame and the wall of fame and all this stuff, right? They're all coming up with, you know, reasons to praise each other. It's out of control. It's a, it's a cultural shift that's happened because when I was young and certainly from your era, um, you weren't allowed to brag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there was a decorum that was just, you wanted to be understated, let the surfing do the talking or whatever. Yeah. And now, now it's all about, um, self-promotion. Limelight. Yeah. You know, um, I'm guilty of that too. I, I, it's hard to, you get caught in it. Yeah. People don't know who you are and you, you try to, Oh, I've done this and I've done that. And look at this and look at that. And that, just being interviewed by you, I mean, you look around, it's a lot of stuff, you know, but, you know, there's so many genius, amazing people. And the thing is, you do, you, the history books are being altered. That's what stirred me up when the false claimers. Yeah. And I'm going, wait a minute, dude. And then you confront them and they, well, you know, uh, you know then they shut down. But they posted on their websites. Yeah. I think some of it is ne nefarious you know, and intentionally kind of trying to rewrite the books. But I think also in surfing, there was a lot of things happening in different parts of the world simultaneously. That's true. And so from a design standpoint, it could be that, you know, two people landed or five people landed at a similar design evolution mm -hmm. simply because you were all reading the magazines and you saw Wayne Lynch doing something and you're like, oh, shoot. Man. That was, you know. by the way, that name, that's a fork in the road. What do you mean? I'll tell you, when the movie came out, Evolution, and Wayne Lynch did a top turn under the hook, that had never been done. Nobody had ever seen it. It was, Maybe it had been done, but it wasn't filmed. Right. And he had that giant wide tail board that just was fast, and he went right under the hook and did that huge top turn. We didn't know you could do that. Yeah. I didn't know you had time. We all thought you just, if you went there, you're going to get pitched. Now look what they do. Right. They're ignoring... You know, we used to fantasize like, you know, like 
guy going down the line and he airs over this, the peak, and he lands on this side and you jump the peak. They've done that. Now they do full rotations doing but that. It. Was, that was fantasy bullcrap. No, right. th- when, when you think of that, you don't think it's really going to happen. That's what scares me now. The evolution of mankind in this world scares me a little bit. When you got movies like 1984 or uh, all, all this, it almost goes from science fiction to reality. And it scares Sci- me. Science fiction couldn't have predicted how sophisticated AI is right no. now. And the face, you know, Just faking. now waking up to the doors just Crazy, opened. Crazy, dude. I love that. I'm a science freak. Are I you? love that. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a more futuristic thinker. I, I don't like vintage backpedaling. I, I want to know what's cool and new for tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. Realwatersports.com is one of the nation's premier surfboard retailers. They're also actually renowned for their kiteboarding selection, their foil selection, and their lessons and camps for all of those things. Scott Bass and I were there in July to do a four-day foiling camp, and it was obvious how they've earned the reputation as the best. They are gear experts with a focus on customer service, and it's really as simple as that. Everything else falls in line after that. The owners and much of the crew are former professional athletes in their given discipline, so they know the gear as good as anyone else, and they can guide you into precisely what will work best for you. They stock all of the accessories that you might need for whatever equipment that you're buying, and they've also figured out how to ship it around the world inexpensively. They have a live chat on their website. They have a phone number listed on the header and the footer of every page of their website. So they make it simple for you to get that first class customer service, no matter where you are in the world. So go peruse their 1500 surfboard inventory at realwatersports.com and enjoy. Driftline.co, the perfect holiday gift for anyone in your orbit who surfs. The patented neoprene-lined board short that keeps you comfortable with warmth, compression, and anti-chafing. It's just a simple solution to a limitation that we had just learned to live with. The modern technical board short is so vastly superior to the stiff, scratchy board shorts of my youth, but concealing a half millimeter of neoprene within it is an improvement almost no matter where you're wearing your board short, certainly while you're surfing, but also fishing off a boat all day, jet skiing, wakeboarding, lounging at the lake, there is no downside. The Drifty is an improvement in the modern board short. Check it all out at driftline.co. Use our promo code, which is the word SPIT, and that'll save you 15%. Get Drifties for anyone who spends any amount of time in board shorts throughout the year. Get them at driftline.co. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. 
more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInJobs.com surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I want to ask you one or two more mentor questions because when I walked in, you pointed out that Phil Edwards balsa. Yeah. Um, who is Phil Edwards to you? When did you connect with him and tell me about him? So when I was shaping at Hobie's, I, I met him and I, I met him periodically here and there. And then Hobie's shut their whole factory down and Hobie called me up and said, uh, Bill, would you like to own the Hobie license? And I said, and I said, well, let me get back to you. Because I was doing really well at the time, and I thought, what do I need Hobie for at this point? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? I was trying to weigh it out. So I called him back, and I said, yeah, I actually would like the license. I'll, I'll do that. And the reason I agreed to it is because if you have a dealer here and a dealer here, like let's say I can't sell this guy um, Stuart Surfboards and this guy right next door to each other. So I thought, okay, if I have two brands, I can push, push them this one and this one, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So then I ended up with Herbie Fletcher's boards and and uh, Hobie boards and Mickey Mignos and all these different uh, brands that I was manufacturing. So when they shut the glass the factory down, Phil Edwards was shaping at that factory. So I inherited Phil Edwards in the Hobie deal. Amazing. So I got very close to Phil. And Phil really, really, if you called him right now, he likes me a lot, and I'll tell you why. Phil is an eccentric, quiet, he hates, uh, anybody that loves him, he hates him, okay? And what that means, is he would tell them to live your own, learn to live your own life. That's what he would say to people. If if you walk up and shook his hand, hey, Phil Evers, how are you doing? Hey, I'm Bob. Hey, Bob, how are you? Then it's fine. Oh, my God, you're Phil Now, if you go down that road like praising him, he instantly hates you. And I warn people. So they call me up and say, hey, I want to talk to Phil Edwards. And I go, do you know Phil Edwards? He goes, no, I just want to talk to him. And I go, no. I'll take your no name and number down, and I'll probably guarantee you he, you will not get a phone call from Phil. And he goes, well, why won't he talk to me? I'm, I'm willing to buy a board. And he goes, Phil doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. And, and so... I was kind of a pit bull protector of, of Phil for the, the thir 12 or 13 years he worked for me. And that's why I have that, my 50th birthday, he shaped that balsa wood board for me as a gift. Pretty cool. Super cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, that was a very telling description of his personality too. Yeah, it's eccentric. I like he's that an, he's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting cat. He's... And, and if you met him in the wrong context, you'd think, God, what an asshole, you know. But he, sure. he's really a cool guy and very, his shapes were, he just would bleed over shape in a surfboard. It took him forever to get one done because he was methodically, and they're three stringers, they're a little harder. And uh, 
he said that he was a creep magnet. And I went, what's a creep magnet? He goes, wherever I go, there's creeps that come out of the woodwork and want to cuddle with me. <laughs> and I go, what? Really? And he goes, yeah. So we got in the car. We drove down to Cardiff Reef. I talked him in a paddle out surfing with me. So we drove down in my van. We wax our boards and we paddle out. Phil goes way out on the outside and I'm catching a bunch of waves and surfing. And every once in a while, he'd catch a wave. And there's a whole row of cars, you know, where they can all see who's surfing. And so Phil uh, is on the very outside, catches the set, set wave of the day, and he surfs all the way in, steps off, walks up. We get in the shower, rinse it off. People are getting out of their cars and walking towards him. And they circle him. And they go, you're Phil Edwards. <laughs> I'm going, oh, no. Here we go. And uh, after that whole scene went on, and that's what he was in reference to, creep magnets. They, they, they want to cling to him. Yeah. And tall, handsome, physically fit, yeah. awesome guy, you know, just a real, he's like a Laird Hamilton sp specimen. So <laughs> we get in the van, we start driving away, and he looks at me and he goes, you know what? I think I had fun. <laughs> I think I had fun. Interesting. Yeah. Different. Too intellectual, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know he, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Really out there with, uh, uh, but he, he, he's just a cool guy. I really have a lot of respect for the guy. And he respected me because he, I understood him. I didn't, I didn't, uh, play him at all. You know, yeah. I didn't try to, I, he got mad at me one time. <laughs> I said, uh, Hey, Phil, I got an idea. I want to have you shape 20 balsa boards for me and I'll pay you in cash. He goes, 20, what do you want that for? I go, well, I'm going to kill you afterwards. <laughs> he, he hated that joke, right? What would his boards be worth if he died? <laughs> yeah, I understand why he didn't like the joke. <laughs> I'm with Phil on this one. <laughs> a little over the line. I mean, well, you, you know, among I, friends. Who as knows? a comedian, you kind of throw things. Yeah, of course. You got to see if it sticks, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it didn't stick. And he didn't shape the boards, he I presume. He grabbed back in my face. Um, when, when was the last surfboard that he shaped? I'm not sure because he left me. Uh, Hobie took the license back and he was he called me up and said, hey, we've decided we want to do blow the Hobie surfboards up, right? We're going to make a huge run at it. And I I said, well, good luck with that. And uh, so he started, they gave away surfboards and just went crazy trying to rebuild it. And it just went right back down because it didn't have that core yeah. image of being a, by the way, Hobie himself didn't even really love shaping surfboards. I shaped my whole life. Hobie shaped in the balsa wood days. Then the foam came out. He was trying to make molded surfboards. He did not want to hand shape a bunch of boards. That wasn't fun for him. Yeah, really smart guy. Really, right. very wealthy. Inherited, you know, his family had tons of money, and he was very successful in all, about everything he did. He made a sixty foot catamaran. He's built all this float cats and you know kayaks and all this stuff. But as a surfboard builder, his boards were not a pinnacle surfboard in the industry. But he scaled that business really beautifully and successfully. Dick Metz did. Yeah, there you go. Let's, let, I'm going to give Dick Metz a bit, bit of credit for that because he's the one that set up all the surf shops and yeah. and Dick made a ton of money and and was brilliant about how he dealt with that. Yeah. 
I didn't get to know Dick even when I shaped, owned the license, or in the when I was shaping at the Hobie factory. Uh, I was just a work bee. I just went to work. I, I knew Dick, but I didn't know his history or background. I thought he was just some retail guy. But now that I've heard the history of him, it's way more than you think. Have you gotten to know him since? Yeah, a little yeah. bit more. I see him here and there. Right. Um, does Phil Edwards still surf? No. He hasn't oh, okay. surfed in 20 years, Bob. Okay. Um, He's old. He's 78 or... Yeah, I know, but... Old, older people still surf too. I don't know if you. Once you get around eighty, you're done. Uh, what does that look like for you? What do you do physically and diet wise to maintain to maintain your girlish <laughs> figure? <laughs> Stay you mean away. a pregnant girl? <laughs> Four months pregnant. Okay, not no. I'm not saying full term. I'm saying first trimester. You just went through that. Come on. Um, so. Uh, Staying away from the fudge. Here's the <laughs> so the, here's the problem with surfing and what happens. Okay, and you haven't you're in the you're on the summit. In my last pro event, I was 42 years old surfing at San Clemente Pier, and I got in the final, got fourth place. Okay, everybody on the podium was 20 years old. So, what this means is there wasn't a row of 40 year old guys on the podium. It was one. And that was my last contest. And I felt like that was, I could still get close to the final, mm. but I, I always entered to win. I didn't enter to come in second. So then there's a point where you go, okay, I'm not entering contest. The same thing happens in surfing because as you climb that ladder, it's really fun to climb that ladder. Yeah. And you now all of a sudden you can, you know, I, I actually did a carving 360 on a shortboard. Okay. How many people have done that? How many people have done airs? How many people have done tail 360s, nose 360s on longboards? All these tricks, right? You learn all that stuff. Well, then you hit the summit, and then you start slipping. Then my hips went bad. I had a hip replacement 18 years ago. It's 54 years old. Is that 18? Yeah. So I couldn't put my legs around a surfboard. I had to lay down and paddle, and then I started getting up slow. And that was the beginning of the decline. And I'm like, when you go out and you're the best guy in the water, and then you go out and you're a kook, it's a tough pill to swallow. It's hard to go down that ladder. So, so you give it up completely? Pretty much. Well, I just had another hip replacement a year ago. Am I going to make a comeback? I, I watch these old guys surf and it bores the crap out of me. I just, if I can't do a figure eight roundhouse and hang 10 and hit it vertical off the lip, to just slide across water, I, I'd rather catch an 80-pound tuna. Really? Yeah, I'd, re yeah, I'd rather catch an 80-pound tuna. The thrill, the thrill is gone. Yeah, to some degree. What about stand-up paddling? Where you can, I mean, Mickey Munoz as an example. Yeah, it's Mickey's a freak, by the way. Just, yeah. I mean, there's only one Mickey Munoz that ever has been or will be. That guy is, I love Mickey. He's just funniest cartoon I've ever met. He just lives a, lives a life like no one else. But the SUP thing bores, to have a, I tried it and it hurt my hips. Okay. Because the board's wobbling the whole time. So, so here's what happens. I, I, I went out at, I was at, I was at the East Cape and uh, I decided to, to show off. I paddled out, took off on a wave and I was just, I was laying into it. 
roundhouse, figure eights, hanging ten, all the way to the sand. It's about seven or eight feet. Paddled back out on the second wave, and I thought, I'm going to turn the volume all the way up. I'm, I'm doing the red line 11, okay? I'm taking it to 11. And I killed this wave. I literally surfed the best I could surf. I stepped off on the sand. My neck was killing me. My ear was full of water. My hip hurt. And the entire beach stood up and applauded. I don't even know. They don't know I'm Bill Stewart, the surf guy. They just stood up and went, look at that old bastard. He was he went cuckoo, right? And and that was about it for me because when you paddle your whole life with your neck back like that, your neck is going to start pinching. Yeah. And so there's a price you pay for trying to have fun. And so you limp around, your neck hurts for the next couple of days after you ride three waves. Yeah. Let's weigh that out. But can't you mitigate that with diet and exercise? No. Old is old. Okay. <laughs> pain is pain. Now, you can take a lot of drugs. You can lose a... By the way, Jerry Lopez, I watched... He's probably the, the fittest, lightest... He's 135 pounds. Doesn't weigh anything. He's uh, been doing yoga his entire life. He, he was not a full-time surfboard shaper grinding foam all day, every day. That's a great point. He did not do that. My shaper, Jeff Matson, who's been with me for 20 years, just got a hip replacement. And, and Terry Sennett, double hip replacements. Yeah. All these guys. Now, why are all these surfboard shapers getting hip replacements? You're walking like a crab sideways. Carrying a heavy tool. And, go, and leaning over you. and doing. Yeah. So, you know, anybody want to arm wrestle? <laughs> Most shapers ride arm from a planer. Yeah. You're lifting that planer. It's, it's, yeah. it's a tool and it's heavy. So watching Jerry get up slow on a couple of waves, I went, Father Time's caught him. Now, he pushed it deeper than most. Anybody that walks in that's in their seven in, in their late 60s or 70s that walks in the shorter board area, I go, what do you do for a living? And the guy, and the guy goes, well, I'm a psychiatrist. And I went, I knew you didn't work with your hands. I knew you didn't carry lumber. You didn't do roofing. You didn't, you didn't, you, did you ever race motorcycles? No. Did you ever skateboard swimming pools? No. <laughs> okay, that's why you're in this condition. Right. At this age, if you take care of yourself, if you exercise, keep your weight down and all this. Yeah, the lightweight, small frame thing is Big real. Deal. Yeah, I mean, for Mickey Munoz being the perfect example of yeah. it, longevity is directly related to that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, couple more kind of questions, just general questions in closing. How often did you, through all your surfing, ride other shapers' surfboards? Not much. Really? I, I Alan Byrne, I met him in uh, Japan before he was killed, and he was killed in Bali uh, on a, I think, on a motorcycle, wasn't it? Yeah. So he was a cool guy, and he did that channel bottom thing—the real deep, deep channels. Now that board on a slopey faced wave didn't ride very good. I tried one at Cotton's Point and it slid out on me, and uh, that seemed—I was too far forward, and the channels caused it to ride up and it drifted out on me. And I was like, "Wow, that's weird." But I rode one at Uluwatu. I did one of the biggest layback off the lips I've ever done in my life. I mean, I'm straight up all the way around back hit the face of the wave board swept underneath me and i came pulled up and got barreled and i'm like okay there we go that does that board worked it's just like teeth in the wave holding. that's what it felt like yeah. 
instead of the board flat sliding, it bit. Because if my board would have probably flat slid up, because once you take come off the rail, uh, and I was a good rail surfer. Some people f- flat slide their boards quite a bit. They come off the rail too soon. You look at Kelly, he's gouging. He's just digging rail full length. That's the drive that they're getting on yeah. these turns. The speed they get is mind-boggling. It's not even... And people go, oh, look how fast this board is. I go, no, Kelly's fast. I always say, Carlos Santana, if he walked in Kmart, picked up one of the guitars, it sounded like the greatest guitar ever made. Right. That's how good he is. Yeah. It's the archer in the arrow, right? That's yeah. kind of what it is. But, uh, yeah, that uh, over the years, you know, I rode Rick James surfboards, and I bought a Hanson surfboard. Um, but initially I was buying boards, and then when you start making them, you get addicted to your yeah. your craft, you know. Um, the dumbest thing I ever did was funny as hell. You'll love this story. So <laughs> I said, why do surfboards have to be hard on the deck? I'm going to make a soft deck so it's comfortable and your feet are going to bite into the deck and you won't slide or anything. You, and no wax, right? This thing's going to be awesome. So I shaped this board and I glass the bottom. I route the whole deck out. I leave the stringer. And I inset foam this deep, boogie board foam. I take Astro Deck and glue it all over top of the whole board. And I razor cut it all out. And I go, let's go ride it. I'm all, I'm jacked, right? Jump out of the car at State Park. I run down, paddle out. And I try, you know what rolling up the windows is? Yeah. Yeah. I drop in a bottom turn. I went, <laughs> this, the, your feet sunk into the deck. And I went, oh, shit. Nah, that can't be real. Paddle back out. I'm going to go backside on the next one. Drop in and my, yeah. I, and I roll up the windows, fall on my back. I got the board. I put it in the, my van. I drove to the dump and beat the shit out of it. Yeah. I should have kept it. Well, it'd be an interesting relic, but essentially what you're saying is all the energy that you would normally be pushing into the board for it to transfer into a bottom turn or whatever is just getting absorbed. It's by. a delayed reaction. Yeah, that makes so sense. So as your body leans over like this, right? The board's still flat. It hasn't come up on a rail. Yeah. Well, too late. now. <laughs> it's funny. Right? Yeah, it's but funny. It, but that, was back, that goes back to what I said earlier about the people who invent, create, and design things. Those are the people who change the, the world with this stuff. Now, if you look at Kelly Slater's original boards when he first came out from Florida, he came out with that Alf Shoe Rocker. That was the worst ever. Totally. There was no reason for that. And I hated it. And I told people it was stupid. Yeah. I blame him for why I'm still a lifelong intermediate today. <laughs> I Kelly, learned, it's all I spent, your fault. I spent the first 10 years riding a surfboard that was unrideable. Yeah. And I should have just started on a longboard. I'd be great today. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell, by the way, because I'm so famous for longboarding, people don't understand that I was a really, really good shortboarder. And uh, my, my, my son-in-law went out and surfed with me and I was on a shortboard. He went, holy shit. He didn't know I could really shortboard good. I tell everybody, there's no reason to ever ride a longboard other than for fun. You should always shortboard. Shortboarding's the greatest surfing in the world, in my opinion. Longboarding is a cool alternative thing at San Onofre on a slow wave, and you want to hang 10 and do something different. Then it's kind of fun. Is it better than shortboarding? Hell no. All you got to do is take them all to Uluwatu on a, you know, 10, 10 foot day grinding and they can't beat sections. Yeah. That's I mean, if the waves are good, if the waves are roping top to bottom, 
yeah, take your nine out of Chopu and see how that goes. Right. That's um, fun. Is there anybody who you wish that you would have gotten a board from or that you would still like to get a board from? Not really. No, I can't think of somebody that would that would have I have a Phil Edwards balsa board. I'm happy I got that. I'm not a real board collector, even though I look like it in this room. You look around, it looks pretty crazy. Most of them are yours, though. Yeah, they all are. Well, uh, not this parish. Yeah, that, well, that's my airbrush on there. Oh, that, so that's yours, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, it's funny you brought up his name because, you know, you wouldn't ever know that I didn't shape that. It has his name on it, MP. Yeah. There it is. That's Mike Parrish. He put MP on his board. Oh, I was thinking Tom Parrish. Oh. When I said that. Oh, really? Okay, there's a parish problem. <laughs> I didn't know that, yeah. But all of this, see, there's stories, all the surfboards in this entire room, they all have stories behind them of what they were all about. I mean, everything in this room. It would take a long time a, for you to go through all this. Yeah, this is and a museum. It is a serious museum. But there's, one of the greatest boards I ever made was the Night Stalker. And the Night Stalker, they had uh, 22... 25 of the best California shapers competed and they gave all of us $600 to make the most fascinating, interesting, unique surfboard ever made. When I showed up with my board, well, Mayhem said he almost threw his board on the floor when he saw mine. It's on the wall over there. Uh, it's It has headlights, taillights, see-through plexiglass nose, and you could, it's called the Night Stalker and you I, we rode it at the San Clemente Pier, and it had headlights on it, and, and it was incredible. It's a little short board, and it was just really cool as hell. That's so funny. So, and then I made a rotating pedestal for it to spin on at the when everybody brought their... They have them on racks. Mine's rotating with strobe lights on the thing. I did a portrait of Thomas Edison on the bottom of the board. Pretty damn cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that board. I wish I could get it back. Where is it? Uh, what's the guy's name? Fernando from Reef. Yeah, Fernando Aguirre. He bought it for 5250 bucks for a charity. Okay. It was a charity event, so they got all the shapers to do that. And uh, That's cool. It was, it was fun. Um, I was asking you about diet and exercise, but one thing, your mental acuity is sharp, seems sharp as a tack. Like remembering details from the 60s and the 70s, you're able to pull up people's names and yeah. the sound of their arms slapping the countertop. <laughs> <laughs> what do you attribute that to? Memory. I, I think, I think, uh, I think it's an energy uh, focus of being fascinated by things. You know, if you could look through my eyes and see what I see, I, when a group of people walk in a room, you, you ever notice people that you feel like they're on quaaludes or something? Mm -hmm. And then you meet somebody else that's just got the eye of the tiger? Mm -hmm. Mickey Munoz. I told Mickey, I said, dude, if I could get a little shot of Mickey sauce, I would be a billionaire. Because if you took a hit of his sauce and saw through his eyes and had that much teenage stoke, you know, people get old and they get grumpy and they get lazy and they just don't. I'm constantly designing, building, grinding, shaping, painting. I mean, I have an 800-square-foot workshop underneath this building 
where I create stuff and I've done giant resin tables and I mean, just so much weird cr making a guy a fake hand and all this stuff. I get these ideas and I, once I think something, I have to do it. But that, that excitement about life and inventions, creations and designs, I think that's why I'm alert. I'm not on quaaludes. I'm not like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Not an alcoholic. I don't smoke weed. I'm not, I'm still pretty thrilled about life. Hmm. I think that's, a, that's, ter that's Jerry Lopez. That's Mickey Munoz. And you see some people, they just give up. They throw in the towel. Once you're, there will be a day when you're stuck with big screen television and a recliner. Okay. And you won't know your own name. Most likely my father died a couple of years ago, 92. And my mom died at 90. Uh, my mom was losing it a little bit. My dad was sharp as a tack. He was on fire, really, and very current. So what took him down? Uh, he had a type of cancer, and, you know, I think there's a certain age you get to, you're kind of ready to kick out. You know what I'm saying? And and, and you asked me about surfing. It, it is, is, does surfing make you really, really happy every time you go out? It did. But there's a time, like Phil Edwards quit very young surfing he, he quit early but um a lot of people that don't know phil and his background he was the he was the kelly slater of the 50s that's what he was he was on the cover of sports illustrated yeah i have his books so he gave me his book called you should have been here yesterday and, and it's really cool signed to me and all that and th there's certain people that maintain this this level of of hype and i think you better Jimmy Buffett's quote was, don't let the old man in. Interesting. Don't let the old man in. Am I old? No, I'm 17. My body's 100. Today's show is made possible with support from Rourke. Rourke makes travel-tailored clothing and gear, artifacts of adventure. Each season, Rourke creates a collection of purpose-built gear with styling details fit to accommodate needs from the trail to an evening out. Durable quality and comfort is the guiding light with a commitment to sustainable fabrics and fair trade partners throughout each collection. Learn more at Rourke.com and find a retailer near you so that you can appreciate the feel and the fit in person or simply purchase on Rourke.com confidently, knowing that you have free 30-day returns and exchanges. And if you do that, we'll save you 15% with our promo code SPLENDOR15. SPLENDOR15 on Rourke.com. The new winter line just dropped, so you can do some Christmas shopping and save 15% with SPLENDOR15. There is something for everyone on your gift list at Rourke.com. Veyer Watches embodies everything that I love about this modern world that we live in, where two entrepreneurs can build a small business with a purpose and connect directly with their consumer base. There was a gap in the market that was previously impossible to bridge, but through modern manufacturing and technology, 
Ryan and Reagan have built a product that customers want at a price point that is highly competitive. High quality product on a small scale, selling directly to the consumer for a fraction of the price that larger conglomerates command. So I'm talking about, of course, Veyer watches. They use the exact same materials that high-end brands use, surgical grade steel, sapphire crystals, the same movements for perpetually precise timekeeping, they're also assembled in America. Veyer is spelled V-A-E-R, and you can learn more at veyerwatches.com. These watches were built with the ocean in mind. They're guaranteed waterproof. You can read over 5,500 five-star reviews from customers all over the world. There's also reviews from the Watch World Critics who are praising Veyer. You can find it all at veyerwatches.com. We will save you 15% on your order with promo code SPLENDOR15. Watches also make a great gift for the holidays, so check it all out. Use our promo code SPLENDOR15 to save 15% on veyerwatches.com. Yeah. Well, that's what I was asking you about. You know, I think you summed it up, uh, having your passion for what, the things that you're into keeps you up and motivated every day and keeps you moving yeah. forward. But I just don't know what to advise to the, li the question is for the listener to kind of take away something. If you have it, you have it. You know what I mean? I don't know that there's anything you could say to somebody else that would inspire them to live that way. I feel like you either have it when you're run towards your interest. Don't lay back and think that it's, that it's out of reach. A lot of people, Oh, well, Oh, uh, yeah, I don't do... Uh, I guess you're right, yeah. Some people are just curmudgeons, born curmudgeons. They just sit in the mud, and they, they're spectators. I'm a participator. Yeah. I like to participate in everything. I like to be involved, you know? Yeah. That's I, To watch other people have fun is almost stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. If you can do it, why aren't you doing it? Yeah. Um, but you're right. You're not going to change somebody's temperament. I, but then I do think there are some people who radically change their life when they're 40 or 50 or whatever, and they start running marathons and they get fit and all of a sudden different person. Mm -hmm. um, how are you spending your retirement? I do, I shape boards, I paint, I do, I just did a huge painting for a guy's house that was 80 inches by 42 of lower trestles. Stunning painting. I mean, it's one of my favorites. So with, painting and then i go to mexico and i bring my off-road vehicles i got a four-wheel drive van i have a trailer that i pull the rhino my zodiac and all that to baja and then we go camping and i just got back from uh, lake nascimento and then i was at uh out at the river uh, last week so yeah <laughs> my fun meters oh and i play harmonica in, in live bands in the local restaurants at night. So if you walk around, I would be hard for you to, I would, it'd be hard for you to keep up with me yeah, it sounds like doing it. the crap. And now I just painted a giant fence yesterday. Oh, oh. right. Yeah. I saw that, that wasn't fun. <laughs> no, I mean, what, the reason I started laughing is because it sounds exactly like when you were working, like I'm shaping surfboards, I'm painting, I'm doing the. I don't clean all... the toilets now. I don't hire and fire. I don't open the doors. I don't have to deal with the personalities of weirdos. And, you know, it, it's a little sad to see some of the youth that's coming out today. I'm a little concerned with the perspective that people have that you owe me. 
Yeah. My mom told me, you make your bed, you sleep in it. And I've always lived by that. I've never been on unemployment or welfare or any of that kind of crap. I, I That's too shameful for me. I the, the people standing begging on the side of the road holding up a sign, and the guy's got his arms and legs. I have a friend with no arms. He's married, had a, was a school teacher, and he boogie boarded. He has no arms. Insane. How do you do that? If I if I had to, if I was him, I'd stop my car and I'd get out and walk up to the guy and go, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> because if you choose to, the, the drugs now that people are doing yeah. are ruining them for life, and they know this. Well, why are they doing this? So it, it, it I'm, I'm looking at a. I thought we were improving. My generation, I thought we were getting better at everything. I thought the whole world, I, I guess I'm an optimist, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, That'd I have a definition of it. But I think that, I think you're right though. There is a new um, ills in society yeah. that are affecting people. You know, the answer to the homeless guy asking could be yes, lazy, could also be mental illness that's playing a factor and it could be both. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's things that, um, and there's what we were talking about earlier where there's way less a value in um, that decorum that we were talking about. Like being self-supportive. Exactly. If you, you have to row your own boat. And I pulled up to a guy that was looked completely fit and he talked normal. And I said, let me ask you a question. I go, your mom, your dad, your aunts, your uncles, and all your friends and everybody you met in school and in your entire life, did you screw them all? It's a damn good question. Because my friends who were strung out on heroin, uh, they were breaking into houses. They were doing what they had to do to feed the, the, the little man on their shoulder. Right. But what day do you wake up and say, oh, God, I feel like meth today. <laughs> you know what this right. does. You know You know where this... You Look at the... Is that what you aspire to, to be that? You got to set a higher standard of some sort. Right. At least make your own bed. Yeah, in every version of it, there is a certain amount of accountability that one has to take. Yeah. That you could have been dealt a very bad hand, but there's other Mental illness like, is a different issue. That That's is. a whole other animal. That They used to have one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. The mental institution, which is one of my favorite films. Um, th that was a case of there's people with problems that are not res resolvable yeah. and they really can't function in society. Well, we, we got rid of all the men mental right. institutions. Right. I think Reagan did that, didn't he? I'm not sure. I think it was Reagan yeah. that got rid of that. So anyway. Yeah, it is. But, but working in retail, to your point, I think you do encounter it uh, <laughs> directly, you know, dealing with well, it. I always wanted a IQ detector at the door. So the alarm would go off and it goes, idiot, idiot, moron, you know, arrogant prick. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you said you're still shaping. Yeah. Who for? Oh, who else? Yeah. <laughs> my new boss, my daughter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I designed the board. So I, Eric Linus, who was a professional snowboarder, my son-in-law, he is not a shaper. He's learning. But it's going to take a long time. I don't call anybody a shaper until they shape a thousand boards. If you haven't done a thousand, you're not a shaper. Yeah. You're practicing shaping, right? So once you do, once you gain control of your, if I gave you a nose and tail rocker width and thickness and length and said, okay, go in my shaping room and do that. Now you got to go pick a blank. I'm not going to help you at all. Yeah. And you pick the templates 
you, you, and I've been told you the nose width, the middle, the tail, the, the rocker, and everything. And when I flew to Japan, Yoshi told me, Bill-san, surfboards must be perfect. I go, okay, whatever. He gives me all these dimensions, right? I only want you to do four boards per day because they must be perfect. And I go, okay. He shows up at the beach, right? I'm in the lawn chair. It's 10.30 in the morning. Bill-san, are you not working today? I'm finished. <laughs> and he goes, you did four boards. And I go, yes. Okay. He jumps in his car and he takes off. He runs down there. He measures them. I go, how were they? And he goes, they're perfect. He goes, you can do six tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we should close with where does the Stewart uh, business, where does it go from here and how is it managed from here on out? I think you referenced it earlier that she and her husband, Eric, took over the business. So I literally, I gave him everything. It's a, it, and, and for you, for the people who have businesses and they have kids, I do not recommend you ever give your business to some kids that don't qualify and warrant. In other words, would you hire them if you just met them? Good point. Would they? Would you give them the business? Or is this a gift for poor little poopsie that doesn't want to work? Okay. My son is a video photographer for rock bands. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He had no interest in this. He never learned any of the business. He doesn't shape surfboards. He doesn't do ding repairs. He he has his own passion of what he does, right? Ashley was there working and has a love of my accomplishments, the brand, and everything. She's a straight-A student. She was in all gifted classes. She's a phenomenal, uh, brilliant, beautiful girl that just is a 10. She married a guy who's a 10, okay? Not, it's no rocket science to turn it over to somebody that you know they're not going to ruin it. And that's the difference. So I gave him a 20-year buyout and handed oh, him nice. the keys. Very cool. Stewards of the Stewart label. That's that's well said. That's um, it. And hopefully it'd be interesting to see if the grandkids <laughs> show up in the shop and offer to sweep the floors. And Yeah, the, uh, Emiana, the 14-year-old, is already messing with shaping. Oh, is she really? Yeah, she's in there that grinding. incredible. She's an artist. She's got the art bug. Yeah. And she got some dust in her eye, and I busted up laughing. Poppy, why are you laughing? I go, because that's what you get when you shape surfboards. Yeah. <laughs> you get dust in your eye. Well, you learn not to get dust in your eyes. But you get dust everywhere. When, but when you're doing it, and you're, you know, all of a sudden it's in your face. And so it's so cute to see her in there and, and, and stoked on it, you yeah. know, like interested in it. But. That's we'll all see. you can hope for is for them to express an interest in it. And then hopefully it grows from there. A lot of families, the business is a bottle rocket and it goes and then dies. And the reason it doesn't, the, the, the dis like Coca-Cola or you look at Harley Davidson, ones that have carried through time, even Hobie. Hobie started a long time ago. But there's no Hobie Alter. There's no Alter family members own any of Hobie now. The whole thing became a financial war. So what when that happens... You got to sell everything like this property I'm on. I don't want this to be out of my family. If you can keep this forever in the family, th what a gift. That's what it's going to be. It's not going nowhere. Yeah. Because it's paid for and I own it. And it's, I'm not going to have my son and my daughter sell it in two parts and run off with the money. No. This is too can, good. Or no. And no matter what that money did for them, it would never do something that's this great. No. This location, there's... 
unobstructed everything. Yeah, it's 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 so unique. Yeah. And everybody that comes here and sees it, it's kind of jaw dropping. It is. And it's not because it's the Taj Mahal. It's got such soul and it's when I bought the house, I felt really relaxed when I walked up to the door. I got really calm and I went, What is that? What what causes that, right? And they call it feng shui or whatever they want to call it. There's something about the right sizing and the logic of the placement of the house on the property that feels right. And when I bought it, the lady says, I'm not going to sell it to anybody I don't like. And I went, why would she care? And she said, well, it's because I want to have somebody. She didn't want somebody to tear it down and build, you know, a eight-bedroom house on this land. And so she wanted this 1961 house to stay here. And uh, when we, and I told her, I said, well, I'm Bill Stewart. I own Stewart Surfboards. And she goes, did you put those sunglasses and the big nose and the smiles on those palm trees out front? And I'm thinking, ooh, good thing, bad thing, good thing, bad thing. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I did that. She goes, that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. And she hugged me when I bought the property. And she said, I prayed for the right guy to come to buy my house. And you are that guy. Wow. That's cool. That is a That's a cool blessing, purchase, yeah. right? Yeah. And then she goes, would you mind if I come back every year and once in a while and look at what you do? I said, I insist on it. I go, you're crazy not to come. And well, she showed up and I, she didn't, she had cancer and didn't live that much, a few years, maybe three or four years after that. And she came here and saw what I was doing because there was no deck, there was no, the house was just really basic. Was Nothing. this building here? No, I built this. Okay. All the deck, this, everything. Is, I did all this. Gotcha. Too bad she can't see that fence that's coming to completion this <laughs> week. <laughs> Things right. a masterpiece. All right. Thank you, Bill. You're welcome. The end is coming. Coming down, it's plain to see. Sick and tired of singing too No point in making The alcohol has been consumed And then a voice from above came down and said Days like me StuartSurfboards.com and Stuart underscore surfboards on Instagram. Leave them a comment. Let them know that you heard about them here. Um, of course, I've linked to all of it on SurfSplendorPodcast.com where you can see this entire conversation on video. Or you can also see it on YouTube. Just search Surf Splendor. We have clips of it on Instagram at Surf Splendor where you can also leave comments and thoughts and actually engage with other listeners 
who are arguing about volume on Instagram right now. It's a great way also to share the show with friends um, on social media. Organic word of mouth is actually how we're still here 10 years on. Um, The truth is, I believe that even after 10 years, even after we've grown the audience, I believe that there are a lot more people, at least double, maybe five times as many people who would love to hear this conversation with Bill or our recent chat with Matt Young or an upcoming chat with Torin Martin about his upcoming film about sailing from Thailand to Indonesia. Uh, All of these long-form conversations about surfing that are simply not really happening anywhere else. So help us grow Surf Splendor. No need to force feed it to people. I think there's people who want the content who don't know that it exists. I am grateful to have the opportunity to do the work, and I'm going to continue to do the work. So let's kind of get it out there to the people who want it. You can also rate and review it in Apple or whatever app you listen in, and that helps strangers to find it. Also, supporting our sponsors with the promo codes that we provide is a great way to support us and also get yourself some discounts on the best gear in class. Find everything on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Thank you so much. I have an epic episode coming at you next week with stories and updates from Maui on the ground with the people who are rebuilding the community from the devastating fires. So look forward to that update. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor. Until then, I'm encouraging you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and shred on.